Today I'll be preaching from 1 John 4, verses 7 through 12. going to read from 7 to the uh, to the end of the chapter, but I do want you to recognize what I'll be preaching on there, verses 7 through 12. Listen as I read God's word. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he and God, and we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect fear casts, uh, perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment, but he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. Within the congregation, we have had several recent weddings. Because of that, our, our thoughts and, and my thoughts have been drawn to the subject of love. A marriage is the bringing together of a man and a woman who love each other and who are covenanting to live together as husband and wife. But that subject of love, and even in, the, in a wedding ceremony, leads us necessarily to the love of God. In fact, as we have seen, the marriage itself is something of a, of a mystery that speaks of the love that Christ has for his church. In that context, I want to, uh, I want to turn to think of the love of God under this very simple statement that John gives to us, that God is love. And to remind you about this letter, John wrote it in order to bring an assurance of salvation to the church. The very start of the letter, he focuses on 
the rich theology of redemption. You might remember that promise of forgiveness of sin to all who repent, and that that is given to us because God has given his son Jesus Christ, the righteous one, to be our advocate, to be the substitute for our sins, to be an expression of the forgiveness and the love of God that we have. And in this passage, as the letter, uh, the letter progresses, John lays out another assurance for us that we are indeed forgiven of our sins. He gives you a ground of comfort to know that you are accepted by God and a ground to, to motivate you to act. You can be assured of your salvation because God is love. You see, John draws your attention to the very nature of God, not just what he has done to redeem us, but who God is himself. He is love. All that he is and all that he does can be, can be connected to this simple proclamation that he is love. And I want today, I want you to catch the significance of that, that assurance of forgiveness is grounded in God's love and that provides a motivation then for our obedience again grounded in the love of God that means that it is connected to the very nature of our triune God and that growing out of that assurance is a vibrant and lively and genuine love for one another it grows up out of God's love for you rather than out of any sense of, uh, of duty or of attempt to gain your salvation by your good works or any other thing. In other words, you do not make God love you by what you do. Rather, it's that it's turned completely on its head that since we are loved, we are assured of our salvation and love others. So I have summarized the point of this sermon as, uh, as the scripture gives, God is love, therefore love one another. And I meant to put this phrase in your bulletin as well. I've tried to capture in a way that the children might remember. So you can write this down. You live because he loves, and you love because he loves. You live because he loves, and you love because he loves. So let's begin with the love of God. The first being that love is from God. Today, I'm just going to follow something of the outline that John has here, walking through the verses to show you that love is from God, and then that God is love in each of his three persons. So we begin with love is from God. Love is of God, says John, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. If you really want to know what love is, 
You don't need to turn on the radio and listen to the pop songs. Uh, you don't need to go to a wedding and see it demonstrated between a husband and wife. You can find it there, but those are shadowy reflections of the genuine love that comes from God. If you want to know what love is, you need to turn and look at God, to gaze into his face and the works that he has done for us. There, you will find true, unadulterated love. John has already said in his letter, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Now go on in in this chapter, and I read from verse 10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So as as Christians, you, you love because of God. It is a reflection of his divine character. You love because of who he is and because of what he has done for us. And particularly since God has drawn you into a relationship with himself, since you are united to Christ, you will mirror that. You will love God. You will love because God has loved you. And your life will be more and more like God, doing the things of God following after him in obedience. Since love is from God, by your new birth, Jesus calls you to love one another. As I introduced this message, I, I said this is a radical, a radically different approach to this motivation for loving one another, really a, a motivation for the obedience of the Christian life. It's an approach that reveals a radically different view of salvation than any other approach towards morality or relationships with others or obedience. Let me put it this way, that if you approach your acceptability in God's eyes by your works, then this command to love one another is going to be motivated out of a desire to convince God that you are good enough to be loved. Can you see that? If salvation is by works, then this this exhortation to love one another will, will be this looming weight Because love for one another does not come naturally to us. And even as redeemed individuals, it is something that we stumble over day after day. In a wedding ceremony, there is love that is professed. But in preparation for marriages over these last several months, as I have been been counseling and preparing couples for marriage, I've told them that that the love that you feel now needs to be nurtured 
and it needs to have a different character than the the rush of love that is is part of the romance of a, of a marriage that is love that is part of the relationship but there is a deeper and more important aspect of love which is a commitment to love someone else not because of what they've done but because you are committing to love them and maybe to those who have uh, have many years in marriage you have come to recognize this that each day you are committing to love your husband or your wife not because they're lovable but because you commit to love them and while they have committed to do the same and there are things that will nurture that and it is a, it, it becomes a, a a reinforcing cycle when you express love towards each other that 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 encourages it if you approach it as to say i will only love you if you deserve it your marriage will not last god loves you because he loves you and our salvation is based not on works and not based on your doing things to be lovable but because god has committed to love you that's a fundamentally different approach to obedience to love and to salvation itself we believe that salvation is by grace alone received by faith alone and you come to love others because god has loved you love is from god that's the first thing that john says but then he goes on to meditate on the nature of god that god is love and as i mentioned in in a really beautiful way john draws draws in the father the son and the holy spirit in this expression of love so i'm going to uh, tip my hat as to how the outline goes the rest of the sermon so uh, god is love is the heading so we're going to see the father is love the son is love and the spirit is love and that's what uh, that's what john does so let's walk through these verses together to see our triune god who is love there are a handful of places in the bible where you have a simple declaration of what god is so for instance jesus said god is spirit and earlier in this letter john said god is light or well, here john says god is love in fact he says it twice just to make sure you capture how important this is god 
is love. In saying this, he is communicating something about the essential character of God, the essential nature of God. To, uh, to try to understand this, uh, uh, when I've spoken of, uh, of this before, I've suggested thinking about uh, the, the loyalty that many have to the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, a, a true fan would say, he, he is OSU. He bleeds orange. Uh, if, if Dan Yost were, were here today, he would say, amen. <laughs> you know, he bleeds orange. It's something about who he is. It's connected to his, his very nature. Well, in this case, John equates God and love, all that he is and all that he does can be connected to this essential character, this essential nature of love. And while I'm calling your attention to it today in this proclamation of it in John, I want to urge you in, in your personal devotions and in your family devotions throughout this week to, to pause and, and say, I want to read today and understand this, this passage in the context of that nature of God as being love. And what I think that you will find is that, is that that, that enlivens and brightens really all of scripture. I invited you as I read from Zephaniah to see that that the discipline that God was bringing on Israel was a discipline that was was not devoid of love. The Old Testament God is not just a God of wrath. He is love. That's confirmed in the New Testament that the Lord disciplines those he loves. It goes back to the very beginning that God created and entered into entered into a covenant of works with mankind. And that too is motivated out of love because the, the transcendent God has stooped to make himself known because he loves his creation. And because before all eternity, he has declared that he will love a people and he will draw them into relationship with himself. So as you read in your devotions, and as you read all of Scripture, think of this, this character, this nature of God as being love. And in this light, you can then move on to see how each person of the Trinity is described here. I've been meditating here, first of all, on verses 7 and 8 that this is how we know God because of the love that is expressed to us, because he is, in fact, love. You can see the Father because as we know love, we know the Father, and, and that love is, is expressed. In fact, if you do not know love, you do not know the Father, and vice versa. That will have implications on this aspect of of, of not only do we live because he loves, but we love because he loves. Those go together. And it leads us then to see the second 
person of the Trinity and the expression of the love of God that comes through. We come to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who laid his life down for us, which is in verses 9 through 11. The love of the Father, again, is seen because it is the Father who has sent his Son. But the Son comes and lays his life down for us. And this is where we will turn next to see that God the Son is love as well. John says, beloved, let us love one another, essentially because of Jesus. So God is love. Jesus is love. You might say he bleeds love. And I I say it that way just... Hopefully, you'll catch the profoundness of the love of Christ, which is bled for us. He bleeds love. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. That life is because Jesus died for us. That life is because of his blood poured out for us on the cross. And so we live because of his love. And we love because of his love. John here unveils the the source of that love as coming from a God who is love and who sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Think again of learning what love is by gazing at the face of God. And in this case, where you can think of, of, of the second person of the Trinity, and gazing at Jesus Christ and knowing the gift of God that is given for us. So think of what Jesus has done for you. The fact is that... Before Christ, you did not love God. We, as individuals, don't normally operate in a loving way. We tend to love those who love us back. We don't naturally love those who don't love us. But God loved us when we didn't love God, and that's putting it mildly. If you truly believe what the scriptures say about us, we hated God. And yet, God loved us. We were dead set against him, and yet God loved us and sent Christ to forgive our sins. And the scriptures confirm this over and over again. Here are just a few examples of this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not die but have everlasting life. John 3.16. Romans 5.8. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Or Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, which Pastor Elia Massey brought before us so well 
but God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he, with which he loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Again, you could just continue on throughout the scriptures and underline the love of God. The love of God. The love of God, which is given to us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because the scriptures consistently teach us that God sent his son because of his love. He was motivated by that. He was motivated from all eternity past to send a savior to save sinners. And he was motivated by his love. I'll remind you of that word propitiation, which is descriptive of the satisfaction of the justice of God. And see that, see that act of of judgment upon Jesus Christ, which is a fearful thing, and it warns us uh, to, to flee the wrath to come. But even that is couched in this context of the love of God for us. And it's expressed especially through the work and the person of Jesus Christ. You live because he loves. And then in response, you love because he loves. You love him because he first loved you. And you love the others because he has loved you. Which leads us to the third excuse me, the third person of the Trinity that comes up in, come up in verses 12 and 13. God is love. The, the, the Father is love. The Son is love. The Spirit is love. Verse 12 and 13 link the love of God to the person of the Holy Spirit. No one has seen God at any time If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. And then verse 13 goes on to identify just how it is that God abides in us. It's it's the Holy Spirit. It is God himself in the third person that is being, being described here as abiding in us. And the love that is motivated then because of that abiding spirit in us is is God himself and the Lord perfecting his love for us, perfecting that in us so that we express it to him and we express it to each other, to those around us. James Boyce calls this this verse a, a breathtaking passage. And it really is to see See, the the mystery of the Godhead brought down into this simple, profound statement that God is love and applied to us so powerfully so that we live and so that we love. And in in these verses, John calls attention to the fact that that no one has seen God at any time. 
another truth that is consistently taught throughout Scripture, that God is spirit and that, that no one has seen him, but the Son has come to make him known. And the Spirit has come to awaken our dead hearts so that we may recognize the God who is love, so that we may live and respond in love itself. This is what John is interacting with. We cannot see God unless he has revealed himself to us, and he has done so through the Son, Jesus Christ, and he continues to do so by pouring out his Spirit so that you may hear and understand the Scripture, so that you may experience the love that God pours out on you by his Spirit, by the life-giving regeneration that comes by the Spirit of God. So I want you to see the scope of the love of God that is being described here. It is... It is formulated within the very nature of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That means that the love of God goes goes beyond time. It's expressed even before the creation of the world as, as a love that is expressed within the Trinity between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and then is declared in that covenant of redemption as the Lord, before he is created, says, I will have a people for myself, and they will be mine because I will love them. I declare my love for them, not because of anything in them, but because of my nature and my covenant. Boyce goes on to say that the love of God is displayed in all of eternity, is then is displayed within history in Jesus Christ. It is displayed then in you personally by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. You live because he loves. And and you love because he loves. And John, in this passage, in in the midst of assuring you of your pardon, assuring you of the love of God, weaves in just so intimately this response that we have, that we then love our brothers and sisters we then love those around us. And in fact, that love that is part of the Christian life is a testimony to the watching world of, of who God is. In the midst of recent weddings, I've said that as you enter into marriage, you are testifying to the world something about God and Jesus Christ. The world is turning away from marriage and what God has given. But as married couples covenant together, they are testifying 
about what God has given to us and the love that we experience. We could take that into this passage and say that by your commitments to live together, to to love one another, to, to commit to do that, not because your brothers and sisters are lovable, but because you have been loved, that commitment testifies to the watching world that the Spirit of God is in you. By this they will know that we are of God, that we love one another. By this they will know by the love that we express to each other. It can be hard work. It can, because we aren't that lovable sometimes. Because sin still clings to us. Because we offend one another over and over again. But God has loved you unconditionally. He did not require you to make yourself lovable to receive his love. He loves you. He is love. The Father loves you. The Son loves you. The Spirit loves you. And you are alive because he loves you. Therefore, love others because he has loved you. That is a radical application of salvation by grace alone that you love one another and I, I I hope that you grasp the, the scope of that love that God has applied to you individually to you as a body as a congregation and I hope that you capture that sense of the love that God has shown you so that you in turn would love one another, that you would commit to love one another, that you would nurture it, that you would practice it, that out of the fact that you have been made made alive by God, that you would show the same goodwill that God has shown you, that you would be faithful in your prayers for your brothers and sisters in Christ, that you would express the very love of God that you have experienced to those that uh, that you live and and uh, and walk through life with and that is a testimony to the watching world that's part of the incredible scope of what god is doing here that by the love that you demonstrate with each other that that, that testifies to the world there is a redeemer that there is a way out of the of the petty 
meaningless, frustrating life that the world is in. (coughs) Dearly loved ones, we are gathered here today in the sight of God not to celebrate a wedding. Those are the words that begin a wedding, aren't they? We are gathered here today in the sight of God to celebrate that God is love. You live because he loves. You love because he loves. Amen. Lord, our God, we we begin our response to your love by loving you in return and thanking you now and forever that you have loved us. The Lord, out of that love, grows a genuine, tender expression of love towards one another. God, forgive us where we have failed in this. Forgive us where we have been petty towards other and have remembered love, uh, remembered those who have offended us and not forgiven. Forgive us when we have not been gentle or kind or have not been patient. Instead, O oh Lord, I pray that, that you would overwhelm us with how you rejoice over us and that the banner that you have raised over us is love itself. And since we experience such an incredible love, I pray, O God, that you would bless us, that you would sweep us away with that love and help us as we express it to one another. And may that, O Lord, be a testimony. May it be a witness to the watching world who are longing for this type of love. We thank you, O God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you are love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Psalm 36 praises God for a love that extends beyond the sky itself, a poetic way to try to help you have, uh, to, to almost be humbled in How great a love that God has expressed for us. Let's sing these words. Psalm 36, Selection B. Please stand to sing. 